The NBA playoffs are finally here, and I have never been so excited for an NBA playoffs. Well, I have been, but for the last five years, I think this is the most excited I've been. Um, it's been an amazing race to the playoffs, as we've covered before, and yeah, we're not going to waste any time, so we are going to go through each first-round matchup in the West and the East, and yeah, we're all excited. It's good to, good to see everyone again. Kyle, why don't you start us off with the West? Sure, I'll lead us off. Rock. So we got the number one seed Rockets against the number eight uh, Minnesota Timberwolves. Timberwolves snapping a 13-year playoff. Playoff. 14. Is it 14? Yeah, 04, because Garnett's MVP year. Okay, we'll go, but, with, we'll go with 14 then. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Sorry. No, no. That's, that's coming from a Garnett good fan. Job, so good job jumping in. Got in in the last game of the season there against with the overtime win against the Nuggets. Um, yeah, just like quick run through of the series. Uh, the Rockets were 4-0 against the Wolves in the regular season. They won by margins of 18 three times, and then in the final meeting, uh, won by nine points. I think that my biggest concern for the Timberwolves in this series is uh, defense. They're the 27th ranked uh, defensive team in the league, and they give up 111.1 uh, points per 100 possessions. Uh, and against this against this Rockets team, I think it's going to be it's going to be a real a real issue. And the T Wolves are also in the back half of the league, seventeenth in defending the three. Um, for obviously, the Rockets are as, as good of an offense as it gets. Uh, I got like a couple of keys for the series. Mm-hmm. Um, for first off, like Minnesota has to find a way to defend somehow, some way. They have to figure out. So it's probably going to be like Jimmy Butler on um, James Harden, obviously. We'll see if he can handle them. I my biggest concern is just them getting stretched out, especially with players like Taj Gibson and stuff. I just don't see how like a Taj Gibson can play in this series with any sort of efficiency. So they need to figure out some sort of system to defend. Um, another key, and this may be going for for Minnesota as well, is like they just need some games in which like the Rockets are going to shoot really really badly. And for the Rockets, like they just can't shoot the ball terribly for three or four games in this series, and they should be okay. Um, and then, yeah, also, I think if Minnesota's going to have any chance at this series even going to six or seven games, we're going to have to have a series from Towns, from Carl Anthony Towns, it'd be like one yeah. to remember. Kind of similar to like some of those games we saw in the regular season that Davis was having, where he was scoring 40 points and having 17 boards. I think Towns would need to have a few games like that. So, Well, you mentioned Towns, and I think Towns really needs to have a series because going against a guy like Capella, who, mm-hmm. you know, is not really a standout individual player, but within that rocket system plays so well. And, you know, as we know, Towns has really struggled on defense in the past. For sure. And so, yeah, I totally agree. He needs to be good offensively, but he also needs to really have a good defensive series. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see to see Capella match up against him. I'm, I'm, kinda, yeah. I'm excited for that. It's a low-key matchup. Like, yeah. there's a lot of big stars on these two teams, but yeah. I think that's a really good matchup. And Capella's sneaky fun to watch. I think people who watch a lot of NBA know and love watching Capella. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so per- personally, I think if you're Minnesota... You're gonna just have a chance to enjoy your your young guys getting some playoff experience and breaking the playoff drought, getting two, probably two playoff games in your own building. Uh, but other than that, I, I just see the Rockets rolling rolling through this series. So I'm I'm going Rockets in four. I'm going sweep for the Rockets. Uh, <clears throat> I think this series definitely uh, at least I I agree. I think the Rockets will win, but I think it'll be probably five games. Uh, and I think that one win depends really heavily on Andrew Wiggins because, mm-hmm. you know, Cat uh, is going to show up 
Jimmy Butler's going to show up. We don't know if Wiggins is going to show up. So I think if Wiggins can play really well, I think they can get one, maybe even two wins in this series. I just don't see them overcoming Houston's offense with the defense you talked about. Oh, absolutely. And defense is a big concern for me looking at Minnesota. Of course, it's going to be tough with Houston losing Ba Mute yeah. uh, just mm-hmm. recently. That's a tough blow. Probably not going to see the effects of that until later on in the playoffs because I think that this round will also be a sweep. But it's just about getting experience for that young team of Timberwolves. Yeah. What's his timetable? Uh, and another guy I was kind of wondering too, uh, I know Ryan, Ryan Anderson. I know mm-hmm. that... Uh, Capella's out for the for the entire first round. Sorry, Mute is out for the whole first round, and then Anderson's questionable to play okay. to play in game one. Because that would be interesting to see him come back. But yeah, I agree mostly with you guys. I think I would go go with Rally. I think the Wolves can get one, you know, emotional win. The a big guy is obviously Jimmy Butler. Can he do everything on both ends? Yes, but for how long? In a seven game series, how long can he, you know, consistently guard Harden? Yeah, and, and whatnot. That's I think the biggest thing is he's going to be putting so much effort into having to guard James Harden a full forty minutes at least. Yeah, uh, so his offense it can't stay up where it's been if he's putting that much effort in defensively. No, and then you got Eric Gordon coming off the bench for Harden. Yeah, exactly. So. You'll be busy the whole game. You've only had Jimmy Butler play a handful of games, mm, exactly. like three or four. That's a good point. Coming off of a 16-game break that, no, he, I... that he had there. So conditioning obviously comes into effect, even though he did play quite a bit in that overtime win against Denver. And I, I think the history of players coming right off of a knee injury and back onto the court, the, your defense is one of the things that lags a lot, right? So much lateral movement. Uh, I, I'd be very concerned about him playing at 100% defensive level fresh off the knee injury. Yeah, and one more concern I, I have with the Wolves uh, is is just Tibbs' rotation. I'm just really curious to see what he's, you know, you never know with that guy what he's going to do. Um, they've got some decent bench players, like obviously Jamal Crawford is a solid bench player. He, he's been horrendous, like having a horrendous plus minus this season. Um, and, you know, some games he's getting 30 minutes. I do not think you're going to win much games against Houston when you're playing Mr. J crossover for 30 minutes. Um Tyus Jones would be nice to see what he can do with the playoffs, and, and then you got the ever looming presence of Derrick Rose. So I just hope Tibbs can, you know, find a rotation that works and is smart. And otherwise, this series is going to be over really quick. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I would say that with Tibbs, one of the reasons I think Tibbs is a good playoff coach is because <coughs> the system he uses in the regular season to get wins is a system that works in the playoffs, which is playing your guys an incredible amount of minutes. Mm-hmm. So I think I think it would be okay that uh, in that way. But even just some of, some of those names you mentioned there. I start thinking about them on the on the court against a team like uh, a team like this Rockets team, and I, I just I just don't see it. Like there's there's no personally I don't think there's any way that somebody like Jamal Crawford can even play in this series. Yeah. There's no way. There's no way he can play. Even like Gibson. Yeah. Shaky. Um, yeah. Well, Derek Derek Rose is not. Even, that's kind of laughable. He there's no way he can play in this series and be effective. Mm-hmm. Zach, a lot of a lot of problems when none of your players can play. Yeah. Zach Lowe tweeted out yesterday. I, I tagged you in this Kyle, but. Houston scored 130 points per 100 possessions in the four games they've played Minnesota. Yeah. And and John Schumann added on to that. That's the most uh, points per 100 possessions versus any opponent in its own conference this season. Totally. Which and is like, crazy. Not, like, Houston's really, really good. Yeah. But this matchup is is the worst matchup that a team could have had for, like, a, a, our easiest matchup for a one seed, I think, yeah. that they could have gotten. 
like even if this is Denver, I think it's a little like we're having maybe a different conversation. They're still winning. Houston's still winning the series. Yeah. But this is just a terrible, terrible matchup for Minnesota. Yeah. And we all know Denver didn't make it because Little B cursed them over Twitter. And not so, only that, they didn't play Gary Harris in the last yeah, 1.2 seconds. My dream didn't come true of Gary Harris winning a game winner. But anyways, <clears throat> right, let's move to the 2-7 and seven matchup in the West with yeah. the Warriors and Spurs. Yeah, Warriors-Spurs. Um, I'm going to go right off the bat and say uh, I'm not thinking the Spurs are winning this one. Uh, I'm saying Warriors in six, which... Uh, might be a little generous to the Spurs, uh, but with the injuries that the Warriors have right now, with no Curry, uh, you know everyone else is a little banged up. You know about Durant's rib and Clay Thompson and just Pat McCaw, who probably won't be back. I, well, he definitely won't be back. Um, but yeah, so those are all the kind of the negatives for the Warriors, but they're just way more negatives for the Spurs. The only edge I give the Spurs in this series is coaching. And when we talked about coach of the year uh, in a pocket that are like however long ago that was, uh, none of us said Greg Popovich, but yeah, we mentioned him. Kyle, you mentioned he him. He was mentioned. Yeah. Yep. And there'll, there'll be people who want him for coach of the year. There always are. People who vote for him every year. Yeah. And I think this year he might deserve it more than any other year. You look at this Spurs roster, no Kawhi, who's been in New York for the last month, not with the team, who most likely won't be back for the playoffs. Uh, you reinvent a guy like Rudy Gay to be at four. Uh, you, Marcus Aldridge becomes a team player. Like Pop just turned this whole team around and he got them to the playoffs. While the players were playing, you know, Pop really was the reason they made it to the playoffs. Uh, unfortunately, I don't see them, I don't see Pop coaching them through four wins against this Warriors team. Uh, I saw a stat that Kevin Durant, uh, when he was the highest scoring member of the team, they were 0-5, which was a little concerning to me, but I think in the playoffs that'll be different. Draymond will show up for the playoffs. They'll get good minutes out of guys like JaVale. Uh, I just, I can't see a team like the Spurs, especially with their ages. Uh, you know, Rudy Gay's getting up there. Aldridge is 32. Hmm. Tony Parker, you know. When you're playing these guys, Manu, who's 40, uh, I just don't see them running with the Warriors for to win four games. Yeah. Yeah, I would totally agree with that um one thing that's interesting for me to note about this series is how the teams are coming into it um mm -hmm. i think that you know the warriors have obviously been in a slump for that um last kind of leg of the regular season with curry's injury their last game was against utah and they lost by 40 in that one pretty substantial um whereas the spurs we talked about them on a previous uh podcast of and ask the question, are the Spurs going to make the playoffs? There yeah. was a lot of concern going on with that. But they've band together and put on quite a stretch at the end of the season against a very tough schedule, a lot of above 500 teams. So the Spurs are going to be ready for some competition. I don't think this is going to be a sweep that the Warriors got accustomed to in like uh, last year's playoffs. Um, but yeah, I would, I would agree in that um, I'm thinking this goes to game... Five or six. Yeah, I think 
everyone healthy on the Warriors. This is a very different series, but uh, the Spurs actually have one of the better home records in the NBA. They're 33-8 and eight at home. So I think they'll be able to get at least one game at home in this series. Uh, but as I said, Warriors are just too good. You're breaking Warriors in five? I'm taking Warriors in six. Okay. Just to be safe. Okay. Yeah, this series is interesting. Uh, two teams that are extremely different in pace and how they play the game. Spurs play the game very, very slowly. Some of that has to do with the lack of super offensively talented players that they possess. And for the Warriors, possessing so much skill and talent, they play at a really fast pace. So I think it'll be interesting. And I think that's an interesting dynamic. Um, when I think we would all agree that maybe Pop, Pop, well, Popovich is the more experienced coach. In my mind, probably a little bit slightly better of a head coach to see if he can really help his team try and take over that pace and control it. And I think if they can take over some of the pace control and manage the games, I think this series could go six games, as Riley mentioned, but I would expect this to be five games with the Spurs just getting the one game at home. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think, Aaron? Yeah, I also went I also went for predictions within within five and six. Okay. More leaning towards five based on the Warriors track rev- record and that they're gonna like uh, assuming that they're gonna ramp things up come playoff time, but there is a possibility of six. Yeah. Well, just to be different, I'll go Warriors in four. Oh, okay. even though I hate the Warriors. Anyways, <laughs> uh, moving on. The next series we have Portland, the Portland Trailblazers, and the New Orleans Pelicans. This one I think is gonna be a low key, like really good series. Mm. Both these teams are very evenly matched up, in my opinion. The uh, home court Blazers, great defensively, 104.2 defensive rating. Eighth in the NBA. Their pace, interestingly enough, is 98.9, which is 19th in the NBA, as opposed to the Pelicans, who have the fastest pace in the NBA, 102.7, which is just very interesting. A first-pace team going against a uh, 19th-pace team. Uh, They split their series, uh, season series, excuse me, 2-2. And, yeah, I think they're both really well matched up they got both have great guards uh kind of a good big man obviously davis being the probably the biggest name in the series maybe lillard um they both love the pick and roll which i think is very very interesting how these teams are going to respond to the pick and roll so lillard leads the the league in 12.4 points per game just off of pick and roll action and we obviously know playoff rondo he loves the pick and roll too the pelicans love running that if it's holiday or rondo uh, carrying the ball on Davis, setting a screen. So it'll be interesting because with Portland, if, if Portland's running a pick and roll, if it's McCollum or Dame, you you have to switch because they're too good of shooters. They're gonna pull up. Yeah, I think I think they, Portland averages twenty six point eight pull up pull up shots per game in the league, which is ridiculous when you think about it. But the thing with Rondo and Holiday, Rondo, I mean sorry, Holiday, you can trust his jumper. I think. He's probably one of the bit, one of been one of the most underrated players this year. Rondo, you're gonna go probably go under a screen, and you're gonna force him to either take that shot or make a play. Um, yeah, Portland, 11.5 screen assists per game. Nurkic, I mean, we got to talk about him if you're talking about Davis. Seeing them go against each other will be really interesting. Uh, Nurkic has to contain Anthony Davis. I think that's gonna be really hard to do. Nurkic is obviously a lot slower, but I think a bit stronger than Davis. Um, and you got to force Davis outside the paint. As unrealistic as that is, I think you got to at least try. Um, so the Blazers, 
they're actually really good at defending the paint. They their opponents shoot fifty five percent in the paint. It's sorry in the restricted area, which is the lowest in the NBA. And but New Orleans again on the other hand loves shooting in the paint, as you see with all these Davis dunks and easy layups that he gets. They're six in the NBA because they shoot. Uh, 46.1 in the paint, I think 65 in the restri- 65% of the restricted area. So you take this pick and roll offense for both teams and you take this uh, scoring in the paint and they're both kind of contrary. And so it's going to be interesting seeing uh, the point guards match up and the big men match up and what they're what they're going to switch on. Uh, injury, Mo Harkless, it was released today, he's not playing in game one, mm-hmm. which could be you know, pretty rough for the Blazers. They are a really good defensive team, but I think he makes them a lot more better and, and provides a decent amount of shooting. Um, containing Rondo is something the Blazers got to do. CJ and Dame are going to have to step up defensively, I think. You can't let Rondo just run free. Holiday is also not to be underestimated. Can I just say how happy I am that you said that a team has to contain Rondo in the playoffs again because it's it's, <laughs> it's hasn't, been a while. Yeah, it's been a while, and it makes me so happy. Yeah. Well, looking back at last year when we like the Celtics played him, he yeah. gutted us the first two games before his hand got injured. Um, so, yeah, and then I think the Pelicans they have their own defensive woes too. They need to contain Nurkic. He's a bully. He's gonna want to get mm-hmm. into the paint, and you know we'll see how Davis responds. Both those guys, I think I think it's gonna be interesting. Nurkic and Davis is who's going to get into foul trouble. We saw Nurkic get into some foul trouble uh, last week playing against Denver in a game that they lost. Um, But, yeah, he gets a bit emotional, and he gets a bit, you know, fired up when when things don't go his way. So we'll see what what happens. Um, My prediction, though, Portland's going to win in 6-4-2. I could easily see see this game, uh, this series, going to seven games. But, yeah, any any thoughts on that? I think... uh... One thing that is uh, positive for the Blazers is how proven Lillard is in the playoffs. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember that shot he hit against uh, the Rockets Rockets to win that series. That was a Game 7, too. Yeah, that was a Game 7. One of the best moments of Lillard's career. Oh, yeah, they won in Game 6 there. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, And I think Lillard has a better chance of taking over this series at his position, whereas Davis can go off, but uh, I think Lillard has a better chance of controlling the game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's really good, and, and Lillard's been really good at home too, and Portland is, it's a hard place to win. There. They're, they're a very energetic crowd, they're hungry. They know that this team is probably the best Portland team we've seen in a while. Um, yeah, and I think home court home court advantage will be huge in this series. Yeah, I like it. There are two pleasant surprises to match up in the playoffs. Uh, a lot of people predicted a roof for Portland that they definitely succeeded, and with the Marcus Cousins injury, a lot of people kind of counted New Orleans out. Yeah, that's but true. To see both of these teams kind of redeem themselves in the regular season and go against each other, it's it's going to be a real treat. Mm-hmm. Um, I have to favor Portland as well with um, a little bit of that more playoff experience as well. If this kind of team has gone to the playoffs like a couple times, whereas New Orleans, um, last time they were in was back when OKC didn't make the playoffs. They were an eighth mm-hmm. seed and got swept. Yes, so. that's right. Yeah, you, you mentioned Cousins, and going back to that pace percentage uh, of the Pelicans, first in the NBA, 
that actually only happened after Cousins went down because as we know, DeMarcus likes to settle into the offense, likes to get into his spots and whatnot. But it's actually served them well. And you're right. They've been very impressive since Cousins has gone down, which nobody really could have predicted. Anthony Davis is right up there for MVP. He's one of the top, yeah. I'd say top five, five candidates. Five, yeah. yeah. So is Lillard, I think. Yeah. 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 I'm a guy. No, I, I think, especially in the second half of the year, these may be the two best players in the NBA in the second half of the year, in my in my opinion, really. And as far as, like, if you yeah. were thinking MVP, Especially in the West. Yeah. Yeah. With Lillard and Davis. So I think it's going to be a really interesting series, and I'm excited to see that. And I think they're both going to finish as top five MVP guys. I really do. Um, I'm picking the Pelicans in seven. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to take the – I think this really boils down to two-star players in Davis and Lillard, and I, I'll just take – I'll take Davis over Lillard. Uh, so – yeah, go a little different than the group. I'm taking the Pelicans in seven. I love it. Little controversy never hurt nobody. <laughs> All right, Aaron, why don't you yeah. close us off with the four or five in the West? Yeah, this is going to be a fun matchup as well. First yeah. of all, how do you feel that you guys are the four seed? Wow. Yeah, it's it's amazing looking at it from Oklahoma being seventh on the last day and yeah. then making that big jump. Tiebreakers had a lot to do with it. Right now, we they're sitting at the exact same record as as Utah. Yeah. at the end of the season, but um, because this is going to be so close of a series, in my opinion, that, that home court advantage can make a huge deal of difference. So that definitely has to factor in because when, when you look at things, when you're comparing these two teams, so much of them kind of is either it gets, like this offense gets nullified, um, you know, this inability to score becomes a problem. You have so many things that go back and forth that it comes down to me to at least looking at some more experience and a, and a home court advantage that kind of makes the break. So very exciting as an OKC fan to get that privilege. Um, but that being said, this is going to be a tight and exciting series. You have one of the most gun-ho individual, individually talented offensive players versus the league's best team defense. Now I know that's like, you know, very close to with the Celtics, but I think when Rudy Gobert is on the court, that is the best defense in the league. And statistically Boston has it, but No, I know. But, but I know I'm just saying, saying in yeah. like my opinion I, from watching like the Utah's Utah's I, games and stuff, the way that Rudy Gobert can like influence that with yeah. him not being there for like a long part. That's at least like how I'm going into it and looking at it. As a Celtics fan, I think the entire Utah Jazz team, I'm talking like bench players too, has a better defense than the Celtics. I think. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think they're better as a team, team defense. I think there's a great amount of Celtics players that run defense, and yes, we have the stats. Yeah, But exactly. I, think, I think Utah, all around any lineup you put out there, there's really, really good defensive players. Oh, absolutely. And that's why I mentioned it's this individually driven offensive team, the team with the one of the lowest assists ratios which is ironic having the league leader in assists this year but like the league's lowest assisting team against the best team defense and OKC has still progressed offensively they're seventh in the NBA in offense but again that's that's going to be a tough defense to score on and flip the switch Utah ranks about 16th one of the lowest teams in the playoffs for offense, so it's going to be very tough to have them to score. Um, 
what's also tough is looking back at the season series these teams played four games um what's tough is because the teams have changed so much throughout the season um, all four games were before andre roberson was injured really for one yeah oh. the, these these games happened like quite early on so all hmm. four happened before then uh rudy gobert was out for the last two both including thunder's wins uh utah won the first one and thunder won the last three um the first uh time these two played was amidst okc's horrendous start being like around 20th in the league offensively um but by that time the defense has really um kind of caved in now that Andre Roberson's gone. They're about ninth, tenth in defensive rating. Um, but one interesting thing going, looking at these games, looking at Donovan Mitchell's performance, of course, like in mm -hmm. the runnings for rookie of the year and highest scoring rookie this season, um, he has been, he was the only player though on that team during those games who got more than like 15 points or so. It, it was incredible to see his individual effort, and I think that's going to be uh, just a struggle for this Utah Jazz team to generate points off of OKC, who have still a decent defense, um, but it's going to be tough when uh, that offensive burden is really on the shoulders of that rookie. Um, so taking that in consideration, OKC are also like the fifth highest team in um, playoff experience only behind Spurs, Warriors, and Cleveland Cavaliers. Uh, so that they've obvi they're obviously primed for this. A lot, lot of experience there. Utah, one of the lower ones with that experience. And with home court, I give this to the Thunder in seven. Okay. Mm. Yeah, I think that's really good. Uh, my biggest concern for the Jazz would be the fact that you, know, you have a rookie player who's never played in the playoffs before, who is really your only scoring. Provides your only scoring. You, you mentioned that, Aaron. Um, you know, players typically regress a little, quite a bit in the playoffs, especially when it's their first time, and especially when they're rookies. <laughs> so that worries me a lot. Other, if it wasn't for that, I think I would like the Jazz in this series because I think with the defense, I think it's going to give the Thunder issues, and I think this could actually be a, a much more scrappy series than than we would expect. But I I'm going to go ahead and say Thunder in six. And I think mostly that's because I just don't I don't see Utah being able to score the ball with any sort of efficiency, and defense will only get you so far. So Thunder and six. Uh, <clears throat> I definitely agree with a lot of what you're saying. I say Thunder and five, uh, just because I think Utah will be able to win a game at home, but uh, the Thunder just have too many options. Uh, Gobert is going to be great, I think, against Stephen Adams. But Steven Adams is still going to be able to get him into foul trouble. He's going to uh, still be able to push his way down there because while Gobert's a great shot blocker, he's not the best post defender. Uh, and I think Steven Adams just being a little bit of a bigger body will be able to push him around a little bit, draw some fouls, cause some issues with that. Uh, I also think uh, Paul George has been playing incredibly well as of late. Uh, his shooting, uh, especially three, but like from the, behind the three-point line, has been really good lately. Uh, so I just think while Utah has a great defense, I think because of the weapons that Oklahoma City has, they'll be able to take this series in five. 
Yeah. A couple of things I want to say about the Jazz in particular. Uh, they're the only team in the league. Well, there's there's a couple teams, but they're the the best record of a team that doesn't have an all-star in this season or an all-star in the previous season. The next two teams on that list are Chicago and Brooklyn. Wow. Which is mind-boggling. <laughs> and I think nobody could have predicted the Jazz doing this well uh, at the start of the year and then especially after the big trade deadline. And we talked about that when we when we did our trade deadline podcast, losing George Hill, who is an amazing player, and obviously losing Hayward in the summer. Um, the, the only concern I have, well, apart from the concerns that you guys mentioned, is the Utah Jazz are essentially a bunch of role players, minus Rudy Gobert and Mitchell, who's been their star mm-hmm, yeah. this season. You look at the rest of their roster, it's a bunch of role players. Actually, it and is. And then, yeah. on the contrary, you look at the Oklahoma Thunder, City Thunder, and there's a bunch of all like old all-stars and big names on that team and it's really an interesting series because I think this is a good experiment to see is off does offense or defense win you games in the playoffs um and yeah the jazz the lack of their scoring and lack of star power I think is is just something you don't see teams do in the playoffs there hasn't been a team uh, in a while that has had like role players or not like one or two big stars that have gone far and so yeah for that I'm going to give it to the to the Thunder in six I could see five, but I, I do see the Jazz like continuing to have their special season and getting a couple wins off of them. Mm. So, all right, let's uh, let's get into the East. Um, Rally, why don't you start us off with your beloved Raptors? Yeah, so I've been waiting for this Saturday for about six months now. <laughs> uh, and just seeing the Raptors have the season they've had, uh, 59 wins, historic season for Toronto. And then to get matched up with the Wizards in the first round, it feels a little, uh, feels kind of bad. Uh, the Wizards have a really good team. Um, they've been very inconsistent throughout the year. Very. Uh, I would say them finishing with the eighth seed internally in that team is a disappointment. Uh, they would have expected to be, have been a lot higher. Uh, and with John Wall coming back now, starting to play a little more, Actually, watching some of those games, they haven't looked very good with John Wall back in the roster. I think around once playoff time comes, they're gonna have time to practice in these couple of days before. I think they'll be able to figure some of that out. But uh, just seeing some of the issues they've had with John Wall uh, now, the issue with Jody Meeks coming out, uh, he'll be suspended. Um, not that he would have been a huge factor in this series, but. That's just another little oh, internal thing. He, he provided a lot of shots. Yeah, he does. He's, he's, he's a, a great shooter, shooter but uh, I think th- this will negatively affect them in just kind of an internal uh, distraction. Um, and yeah, I think this will be a good series. Uh, I take the Raptors in six. Um, they actually split their season series, uh, going two and two against each other. Um, and yeah, I think when you match up each position, they're kind of similar teams. Uh, I give the edge to John Wall and point guard, obviously, uh, over Kyle Lowry. Um, but it's on John Wall kind of to show up for this series. 
Uh, and also, like, it's impossible to talk about the Raptors without talking about them needing to show up in the playoffs. Uh, yeah. I think their new system will definitely help that. Uh, it's obviously going to be in the back of their minds if they start struggling. And I think if uh, they lose at home, especially in the first two games, uh, that'll be a major swing in the series. But I still think uh, the Raptors will be able to take this in a maximum of six games. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you mentioned you can't talk about the Raptors without you know, mentioning their mishaps in the past. Um, I don't think we can talk about the Wizards without mentioning Ty Lawson. <laughs> Buyout, he's back. He's back. <laughs> Buyout market extraordinaire uh, back. No, I, I think I think it's going to be atrocious seeing Ty Lawson play. Um, yeah, I this is going to be a good series. I Again, I'm going to go with the point you mentioned. I can't trust the Raptors in the playoffs, so I'm gonna, I'll say my prediction right now. Raptors in seven. I think they're gonna scare a bunch of people, and I, I just, I just can't, I just can't trust them. And I, John Wall in the playoffs, I saw that firsthand last year when we played, we played, uh, we played the the Wizards, and he, you know, he hits a couple big shots. Otto Porter's been out for the last few games, which I think could bite them a bit. And Bradley Beal, you know, you were talking about mentioning, comparing the starting five, and they are similar, but I think. Bradley Beal is a far better shooter than DeRozan. Oh yeah, for sure. And we'll see how you know they deal with that because oh, I think they'll end up putting OG on him, uh, and OG is a good defender, especially around the perimeter. So I think that'll definitely cause some problems for Beal. Yeah, and and I think the big hesitancy too with the Raptors is that second unit has never, well maybe CJ Miles has played a few playoff games, but they haven't been on this stage and given their performance against the Rockets a couple weeks ago they've been awesome but I just I think it's going to be a fun series I really think there's going to be some blowouts and I think there's going to be some close games but it's it's going to be seven games in my opinion but we'll see hmm. I'm not kidding I'm not, okay I'm <laughs> sorry please, here. please um yeah, I don't know. This is this is an interesting series. I think if we didn't have the Raptor playoff history, everybody would be saying four or five games. Exactly. Um, here, here's my prediction. I think the Raptors sweep this series if they win game one. If they win game one, I think they can sweep this series. Uh, I like the mental attitude that they're coming into it with. I don't worry a whole lot about the young bench because they're gonna have they're not gonna play nearly as much as they have in the regular season. You're gonna ride your starters in the playoffs now. You can just use them in, in small amounts of minutes. Now, if the Raptors do lose game one, I think it probably goes six games, and the Raptors win in six games. But I think if the Raptors can get the first game, I think they can sweep this series and go face the Cavs in round two, possibly. Yep, I have a very similar view, actually. I'm trying to put pass behind me and kind of adopt the new Raptors look that's like that's that's been happening and kind of comparing that with the team so i'm going raptors in five i think that you know just strictly on the starting lineup of washington's talent you take that and you can compare and even maybe give an edge to washington when you compare straight up those starting lineups um but there is the concern when you start comparing the benches i think toronto uh like riley said in a couple podcasts ago has had one of the best benches um Obviously, you have some of those kind of like late in the season injuries that you're still working through, which is kind of gives me some hesitancy. But I really like that bench going forward for that team. So 
I'm gonna give it to the Raptors in five. Yeah, yeah. And, I think uh, both the bench. Uh, I don't see them playing their full bench lineup ever, uh, but I definitely see uh, Pascal Siakam coming out a lot um, to guard uh, Markeith Morris. Um, I definitely see them putting Van Fleet in late game. Uh, I see just the Raptors having a lot of options. So if one guy isn't performing, you can sit him down for a little bit, let him figure himself out, and you're not going to lose that much with whoever you put in with that replacement. Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I think I think on the, the Raptor playoff woes, the only player I'm truly concerned about is, uh, is Lowry, I think. Lowry is the only player I look at in this series that really, really concerns me. One, because of the point guard matchup and the fact that if he is defensively lacking, that could be a could be a major issue with Wall, but then also just, just shooting wise and, and offensively wise. I think he's really the only player I have a little bit of concern about. Yeah. On that point, I would say you gotta be careful with Lowry on foul trouble too. Mm. With a lot of the these screens. And you know Lowry gets likes to get he's a physical player. Yeah. Back when he was in Houston they called him like the bulldog because yeah. he, so, he was so physical. And even when he first came to Toronto, I think he's calmed down a lot more and developed his kind of more of a smoother game. But yeah, I think if John Wall's driving and, and he gets frustrated, he's a very emotional player, especially in the playoffs. Um, if he gets into foul trouble, I think that'll be trouble. No, I think I think foul trouble is a great point because like I, I mentioned before about, you know, you don't have to play your bench players nearly as much as you do in the regular season in the playoffs. Well, you are going to have to play your bench guards, whether that be a Van Vliet or that be uh, DeLon Wright. You're going to have to play them if Lowry can't play. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to go to the opposite of you, Kyle. Mm-hmm. I'm going to say the biggest concern is DeRozan. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Lowry will be able to, if he can stay out of foul trouble, um, he'll still be able to do what he does, which is shoot the three at a really high rate. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the league this year. Uh, I believe he's top five and made threes. Um and I think kind of what we've seen with DeRozan in the second half of this season especially, uh, with exception, a couple exception games, he hasn't really played up to the level he started with. And you see this with DeRozan a lot uh, the past couple of seasons. But I think if DeRozan can show up and his offensive game can show up, his defensive game can show up, uh, that'll be the biggest factor in this series. Yeah, another guy... I think will need to show up as Valanciunas. Yeah. Um, you know, I was talking about the pick and roll with Portland and the Pelicans, but John Wall and Gortat's pick and roll is a thing of beauty. They run it really mm-hmm. well. And Gortat, I think, is it's a very weird statement what I'm about to say, but is one of the most underrated screeners in the league. Oh, I agree. I think Steven Adams is the, the most, the best, the best screener and the most underrated at the same time. Um, but Gortat is really good at setting screens and really good at rolling. Mm-hmm. And I look at the matchup between Gortat and Valanciunas, I assume those are going to be the starting five, yeah. uh, the, the centers. And I just hope that Valanciunas doesn't, you know, get bold and try and switch on John Wall because I'm picturing it out of my mind right now and that looks like a nightmare. <laughs> doesn't end well. Yeah, and, you know, I made the joke about Ty Loss in the beginning, but who knows? Like, nobody's seen this guy. And if he comes in and has a little Cinderella moment in the playoffs... Could be interesting, but I think in, I, I agree with your point, Kyle. If, if the Raptors win the first game, it's going to be a bit of an uphill battle for Washington. Mm-hmm. And yeah, but I'll I'll provide some controversy. All the Canadian <laughs> fans will. And yeah, just on the Valanciunas point, I think this has probably been Valanciunas' best year of his career. 
of Definitely. all times in the year, Valanciunas has been his best, in my opinion, in the playoffs. Yeah, uh, especially the year they went to the conference finals. I thought his best basketball that year was definitely within within the playoffs. So mm-hmm. yeah, and then, I'm, I'm just gonna flip it. Like, I don't think I don't see Gortat being able to handle Valanciunas on the defensive end, like in the post. Yeah, yeah. I I think at the pick and roll, Gortat knows how to defend that. But I think right. in the post, yeah, he's definitely. And Valanciunas has showed this year that he has some nice. Post moves, he's yeah, been but able how, to kind of dominate down there. But how much are they going to go to Valanciunas in the post? Well, when in the past couple of seasons, uh, I know they've changed their whole system, but when Lowry and DeRozan were struggling, they would go to him quite a lot. Yeah. So I think, I think they can still do that if there are struggles from other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see. Aaron, any more thoughts on that? No. Okay, <laughs> M- moving on to the Celtics and the Bucks. Um, I will do my best not to be too biased. Um, but yeah, like I said before, home court Celtics, number one defensive rating with 101.5 in the league. Split the series 2-2 with these guys. Um, some really good games between them. Uh, I think everyone knows that Giannis is the biggest factor in this series. He averaged 33.5 points per game in the four meetings with the Celtics, which is ridiculous. Um, yeah, and so... Containing Giannis is the big question, and I know there's been a lot of, you know, articles and whatnot saying Al Horford's going to need to step up and, and, and do that and play that role, and, you know, he needs to prove he's worth the money that they're paying him, but I also think, you know, it's not just Al. I mean, we're going to have to rely on guys like Oshelet and, you know, even, uh, I know, I was going to say Marcus Morris, but I don't think they'll put him on Giannis. But, yeah, I just, it's... I trust our half-court defense. I think it's really good. But the reason why the Bucks have had a good season is because they're incredible on the break. They're, they score so well on the break. You look at you know some of the top plays that the NBA has just released on Facebook, on social media right now, a lot of the plays are them running. Honestly, look at them. It's either Giannis doing something or Bledsoe making a pass. Um, yeah, I Milwaukee... A concern I have with them is they don't have a ton of shooters. Middleton has had, we've seen him take less threes this year. Jason Terry, sure, he'll hit a three or two, but they're not going to play him that much. Bledsoe and Jabari Parker, you kind of live with them shooting. Jabari hasn't proven to me, in my opinion, that he's a proficient proficient three-point shooter. Uh, and yeah, I think seeing how you contain Giannis and you kind of let certain people shoot and you you let certain people you know you sag off them and you you allow for for open shots but as far as boston's game plan i think you need to exploit jabari parker he's been really struggling defensively um whether that's the injury or just his the way that the the player he's developing into developing into you really got to attack him i think milwaukee doesn't have great defensive rotations i talked about this in our low seed uh, race for the playoffs podcast, but I don't think Milwaukee can defend the three ball well at all. And Boston's going to take a lot of threes, and we'll, I hope some of them go down. Um, but they don't, Milwaukee on the contrary doesn't shoot threes well. As I said, 22nd in the league for three point percentage this year, which isn't great. Um, uh, a dark horse, though, that I could see giving Boston some problems is Brogdon coming back and Della Vadova coming back. As we know, Della Vadova has been great in the playoffs at 2015. I know, Riley, you love that <laughs> that Della Vadova on the Cavs. 
So we'll see what kind of impact they make. But then do they take whose minutes are they taking? Are they taking Middleton's minutes? Are they taking Bledsoe's minutes? So we'll see. Uh, good old Coach Joe there. We'll see what he can do too. Is this his first playoffs? Uh, I got I got to think so, yeah. Yeah, so I, I think obviously the coaching matchup, you have Stevens over Prudney, but we'll see. Uh, it's I think this is going to be a rather boring series, to be honest. I don't think like Giannis is going to be exciting, but we, and the elephant in the room, we don't have a scorer right now. Our scorer is Marcus Morris. Uh, Smart's not going to make it back for, for this series. Kyrie obviously out, Hayward out. We don't have like a scorey scorer so Terry Rozier is going to have to step up Tatum's going to have to continue to have a year so we'll see um and the Boston playoff thing we need to rebound because if we don't rebound we are toast mm. so yeah any thoughts on that well first of all what what would be your prediction that you're looking at and it's I feel so defeated. Yeah, sorry. I know this isn't our year. So I'm going to say Boston in six. If we lose in six, I wouldn't be too surprised. Um, but yeah, let's just, I'll just finish my matchups because I think there's a couple of good matchups specifically that I yeah. want to look at. Giannis, I mentioned the, the big factor. Market, uh, Marcus Morris, how does he defend? Does he play hard in the playoffs? I don't know. I think this is his. No, Detroit made it last year, right? Detroit was in the playoffs. No, they went the year before. Okay, so I think he had a bit of playoff experience. Definitely didn't I have think any... they made it the first year he was there. Yeah. Yeah, they lost to that. I think they, they were stuck by the Cavs. By the they... Cavs oh, right. The first yeah. Round, yeah. yeah, so we'll see. You know, he can be a good defender if he wants to. Um, transition, transition, transition. Points in transition, I mentioned before, Milwaukee's third in the NBA. Yeah. So they love to get out and run their, the definition of running gun offense. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what our rotation's going to look like. Uh, lately, we've been relying heavily on some G League guys, uh, Jabari Bird, and what's that kid, Jonathan? What's the guy's name? From from China. I told you he was averaging. Jonathan the, Gibson. Gibson. Yeah, I don't think he can do playoffs. He's, he's a ten days. He's just signed, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. So we'll see. I think we're gonna either have to sign someone or I don't know, man. I. <laughs> I have no, I have no idea what to think of this series. On it, to be frank, like, I have no idea. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a, it's definitely a tough series to break down. With, yeah. with all the injuries and. Yeah, I think it's going to be boring. Like I said. Yeah. Um, to go with my prediction, what I kind of think looking into this series, to m- maybe gives you a little bit of confidence, Nate. I'm also going with Celtics at six. I think that the Celtics have surprised me at least um, how they've responded to like the injuries on their team throughout the whole season, considering Gordon Hayward and even out of recent with Kyrie Irving and Marcus Smart um, and and Tice. It it's been pretty inspiring. I, I remember watching their game against OKC and still able to pull off those wins against good teams. Yeah. Um, I have when I look at it, like you said, in the half court. It's so dependent on shooting, especially modern game, trying to get ball movement, and Milwaukee doesn't have that. Uh, Milwaukee has been kind of a shaky, kind of unstable team. I honestly thought they might perform better this year, but they've had, you know, maybe that shakiness is due to Jason Kidd and the coaching switch up. 
Um, but honestly, this team kind of strikes me as unstable. Uh, you questioned who Malcolm Brogdon and um, Matthew Del Vadova can be taking minutes from. I think Tony Snell. He's been someone who's disappointed me on um, oh, yeah. Milwaukee and has gotten a lot of starts there. Um, but when I looked at when I look at this team, yes, they have the best player in Giannis Antetokounmpo, and um, they have Chris Middleton, of course, who's been extremely consistent very underrated yeah underrated like almost in that almost ready to make that jump to being an all-star um and besides like you have a streaky eric bledsoe but after that it breaks down for me for milwaukee they the depth has been a concern i know brogdon and delvadova are gonna provide something but i don't think it's gonna be as much to give them more than two wins in the series yeah and i i take celtics bench unit over the box Absolutely. Um, you know, when you're being led by the likes of Shabazz Muhammad on the bench, not looking too great. I mean, on the contrary, when Shane Larkin's at point, I always get nervous. But you know what? We'll see. Like, it's such a such a toss-up between these these guys. And I don't know. Do you have anything to add? Yeah. I, well, I, I don't really have much to add. I think we've kind of we've kind of gone over it all. Um, I don't know if it's just the way I'm feeling today. I'm feeling a little contrarian. I'm going Bucks in seven. Okay. I'm taking the Bucks in seven. And my theory, I think Giannis is going to fully arrive. We're going to see playoff Giannis. I think he's going to be unstoppable. I like the I like the top end talent of this team, of this Bucks team, with him, with Bledsoe. Bledsoe getting a chance to to get in here. That's his uh, playoff debut. No, he might he might have had some with the Clippers back in the day. Yeah, yeah you're probably yeah maybe we'll have to check Anyways. on that. But you're probably right. You're probably right. Um, yeah. So you got Bledsoe. Um, I, I don't know. I'm just excited about this about this team. I think we're really going to see Giannis arrive. I, you kind of called it a boring series. I think anytime Giannis is, yeah. on, Giannis is on the floor, I'm still excited. So, Bucks yeah. and seven. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be boring in the sense because we don't know. There's not much narrative leading up to this series. There's kind of a distraught Milwaukee team and you know an injury-ridden Celtics team going into it. And I don't think... The Bucks actually wanted to be in this position. They did lose their draft pick, uh, losing to the Sixers on the last night, yeah. which sucks for them. Um, so I don't know if this was their plan. So, but yeah, Giannis, one of the most exciting players in the league, and it'll be good. I just, yeah. I don't know. We don't have anyone exciting, so that's fun. This is definitely going to be a grinding series. Uh, I. Don't see either of these teams scoring 130 as other teams might. No. Uh, yeah. So it really comes down to who hits their shots. Yeah. Um, I I agree. It's gonna be low scoring for sure. Yeah. Um, if yeah. Milwaukee can turn Boston over, get running, uh, I think it'll be their series. But I think being coached by Brad Stevens. Uh, the Celtics will be able to, even if they lose a couple games, be able to rally, uh, and just Brad will have a good game plan. Uh, I just, I don't see Brad Stevens losing this series, uh, and so I'm gonna say Celtics in six, uh, maybe seven. I think if it goes to a game seven, though, the Bucks win it, um, but I think. Celtics in six. I think that'd be a pretty good story if we go to game seven. Giannis steals one in the garden, but yeah. we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Yeah, yeah. And the, the last hope I have is that we wave 
strategy is getting pretty specific to the Celtics, but we waive Nader and sign two-way contract Jabari Bird. But I don't think it's no, it's it's too late. I think for that to happen, <laughs> it's too late. So yeah, okay. So there goes my hope. Thanks very much, and we'll move on to the next series. Kyle, want to take us? All right. Uh, so I think this might be the most ex- the most exciting series in the East, at least to me. Uh, and we got we've got the number three seed. Philadelphia 76ers taking on the number six Miami Heat. Uh, so the two teams split their four uh, regular season games. The Sixers grabbing two of them and the Heat getting two. Um, briefly, just like the, the Sixers on a 16-game win streak yeah. going, into the, going into the postseason. It's, it's unbelievable. Now, they only faced three playoff teams during that stretch. Interesting so stuff. 13 of those wow. wins were against non-playoff teams. Um yeah, you've got the Heat, who are forty-four and thirty-eight for the season, have basically just been puttering along, consistent all year. Um, I, the thing I'm most excited in this series is again we see kind of a pace battle. We see again we see a slow a team that plays slow, doesn't score a lot of points, but doesn't give up a lot of them in Miami. Yeah, and we see kind of a run and gun young team in the Sixers, uh, and then we also see a massive swing in experience level here. The Heat got a lot of older players, a lot of players that have been there before. And the Sixers extremely young. Um, yeah. a, a couple of keys for the series. Uh, the main key is going to be how many games Joel Embiid's going to miss. Mm-hmm. Right now, the he, he's ruled out of one. Right, he's not going to play in game one. Yeah, uh, and then game two, he's questionable. Seems like a lot of people think he's not going to play in game two either. Wow. So if he misses the first two games, it's hard to imagine the Sixers get both of those. So now you've lost home court, and we'll see. Um, I'm excited to see how I'm really excited to see how uh, the Heat utilize Dwayne Wade. <laughs> yeah, because in all honesty, Dwayne Wade's not good enough to play for, for anymore to play 40 minutes in this series. But I think you're going to see Wade play about eight, seven to nine minute range in the first half of these games, and then be in there for for closing. For closing, time. yeah, he's going to be in well, for closing. Well, we saw yeah. in their season series, he had a game winner over he did over Simmons, which was you know maybe a bit symbolic, and. Oh. Yeah, just to jump in, I think this narrative is so cool because originally I thought it was for sure that Cleveland had the three seed locked and it was going to be D Wade and LeBron for sure. going get it. and that would have been cool. But at the same time, you pretty much know that Cleveland would have. Well, actually, I don't know because they they know Spolstra had the Miami uh, the LeBron trap. They have the LeBron trap, which is really interesting. Uh, it's a defensive scheme that the Heat run against LeBron, but. This narrative is it's just a bit humorous, too, with the off-court stuff with Embiid and Whiteside. Mm, yeah. Twitter, I'm sure that's going to be a great series yeah. <laughs> in itself. Um, like you mentioned perfectly, the, the ex- swing of experience. You said Philly's young, which is true. Yeah. But then at the end of the day, they've got a few guys like Ilya Sova, Bellinelli, Amir Johnson, Redick, who have been here before. For sure. And so we'll see how their role contributes as well. And obviously, yeah... The Flash. Who knows what could happen with that? But I really like this narrative going in. And yeah, one one more thing. I think once when Embiid does come back, and if if he does come back with Embiid's track record, I feel like I gotta say if for yeah. the in this series, um, I'm gonna be interested to see how Ben Simmons is gonna be guarded because really in the first game or two, Miami can throw everything they have at at Ben Simmons defensively. Yeah. But when Embiid's back in there. Now you got to be now. You, now he becomes a mismatch. So you can put Winslow on him. Honestly, looking at the looking at the stats from the games they've played, Winslow's been really, really poor against him. And James Johnson's actually been better 
when it's been James Johnson matched up against Ben Simmons, but mm. if you're if you're telling me that it's going to be James Johnson on Ben Simmons for five games in this series, I that gets pretty dire if you're Miami. So I think he's just a walking mismatch in this series. Interesting. If you had to guard Ben Simmons, who would you throw if you were the Heat, Aaron? Oh, that's interesting because anytime before I would say James Johnson, I think that's just at least to to maybe at least account for the size yeah. that Ben Simmons brings. Because with Ben Simmons, yeah, he's a walking mismatch in this series. He's a walking mismatch in pretty much any series you put him under because playing the guard at such a uh, crazy athleticism and height. Um, yeah. It, for me, it, com- it comes to, comes to uh, Johnson. But... Um, it's gotta be it's gotta be a team effort from like the Heat, and I think that dif- the defensive rating of the Heat has s- just spoke to itself. I think the Heat have done an unreal job, seventh best in the league. Yeah, doing which that, so. a- another prediction that I don't I don't think anybody had that the Miami Heat, and especially well, they haven't had Whiteside most of the year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and like who knows how he's going to be in the playoffs. Josh Richardson has defended at an elite level this year. He yeah. has been a, he has been a seriously great defender. But you think he's too small to to guard Simmons? Too, yeah, too, small in in uh, in uh, width other than height. Just he's yeah. too thin. Yeah. Kind of the Avery Bradley kind of idea. He's just too thin to guard a player like that. This might exactly. sound a little crazy, but I would even try for a few lineups. I would throw a Linux on Simmons. But yeah, yeah, the lateral movement would concern me, but That's tough. at the same time, why not throw everything you have? Yeah. You got to just tr- especially in these first couple games, you're going to get a ch- you're not going to have to worry too much. You're not going to have to worry about Embiid. Right. Throw everything you have. Honestly, I think it's probably a combination of Winslow and James Johnson. Mm-hmm. That would be what I think it ends up being or what the idea would be my first idea. Yeah. But and, and I would interesting. I I would utilize Josh Richardson on Reddick because Reddick's been red hot in this for sure. Last ten games, especially, right? He's been lighting it up, moves so sneakily without the ball. Oh, and best in the, probably the best in the league at that without mm-hmm. the ball running with, around in the perimeter. I think, yeah. yeah. I wouldn't even. I he's a catch and shoot guy like the Corvers and Thompson. Uh-huh. But when I look at guys like Corver and Thompson, kind of like the Rip Hamilton curl cut, I think that's much different than what Reddick does because Reddick doesn't just do that curl cut. They he does. You see uh, Philly runs this set where they have their bigs kind of on the baseline, and it's the Ray Allen kind of flare screen and the, the other guards on on whatever opposite side of the point guard. So Reddick will run past the two bigs and then get a flare from the third mm-hmm. uh, guard there. And he does that. They do a lot of you know pin downs for Reddick where they throw the ball into Embiid or Simmons, especially Simmons. They throw the ball in the post uh, on the strong side and then – the baseline player. I hope everyone's following. Yeah. Uh, the baseline player will pin for Reddick, and Reddick just runs up, catches, and and fires really quickly. So you really got to look at that for Philly. Uh, well, I guess the last the last thing is uh, Markov Fultz. Who knows what he's going to do? See. So I don't know how you guard that. I mean, I think you just play him straight up. I think Dragic can, go, yeah. you know, hold his weight against him. So Miami, I think they need to, yeah, really rely on their defense. Um, again, I think with the Celtics too, Miami doesn't have that guy, like that all-star mm-hmm. who can score for them. I mean, Whiteside can can score, but 
again, it's a battle of pace. If, if Embiid's there, that becomes a lot more difficult. And yeah, I just don't, Drakic is a great scorer, but I don't see him, you know, doing great against a, a good Philly team, uh, carrying the offensive load. So Josh Richardson, you mentioned is a great defensively, but he's been very inconsistent offensively. Yeah, I was going to say briefly, you gave a really good breakdown there of, uh, of Redick. If people are confused, just YouTube it. You can literally just type JJ Redick <laughs> yeah. plays yeah. into YouTube. You yeah, know, you can yeah. see them all off there. It'll, yeah, off ball plays. It'll make it makes a lot of sense if you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, I'm I'm going Sixers in six games. I think okay. the Heat are going to get a couple games. I think they probably get one, especially in these first two. If um, there's no Embiid in the first two games, which is what I'm expecting, and then I think they get one. They'll get one in Miami. Yeah, uh, but I think I think it's uh, Sixers in six. It's, it's tough for me to pick a team in this series because they are pretty evenly matched. Not so much like with specific matchups, but just like overall team, kind of how they've done over the season. Um, Philly's had their like 16-game win streak recently. Uh, just coming into the playoffs red hot. Mm-hmm. I think um, the team that wins this series, uh, they'll win in six, and it's whoever wins on the road first. Yeah, uh, Philly... It's such like a hypey team that, you know, Embiid will be pumping up the crowd. Uh, so I think if the Sixers can win on the road in the one of the first two games, uh, they'll take the series in six games. Yeah. And one last thing I'll mention with this. I, my prediction is I think it's going to be Philly in five. Um, but one last thing, I mentioned the Heat scoring. Whoever that is who is going to be emerging as the guy who's scoring, you also got to remember the Sixers have Robert Covington to put on that person, yeah, and that yeah. becomes a lot more difficult. And they're a really strong team, uh, looking depth-wise. Their bench is phenomenal too. You got You mentioned hype, TJ McConnell. Come on, that guy, <laughs> that, that, come on, pure hype, pure hype, pure hype. Yeah. And you know their European lineup. We were in our group chat. I joked if Philly starts McConnell, Bellinelli, Ilyasova, Saric. And uh, Amir Johnson, they could win the championship. <laughs> no. Okay. What? So. okay. Oh, <laughs> go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say we're, as we're we're moving through the series here. Does anybody buying into this hype that's kind of on the internet and on Twitter right now that the Sixers can make it to the finals? Well, I think it's just the the Eastern Finals or the, the, finals? No, no. the finals. I think everyone's just doing that okay. because Villanova won and the Philadelphia Eagles won, and so okay. it's like. Oh, brotherly love be, city is yeah, coming back. This would be crazy, and you know, but no, I don't. I think that's a great transition to the next series, who's the favorite in the East, which is the Cleveland Cavaliers, and I think at the end of the day, Philly's not going to beat Cleveland. No, and so I don't even know. see them beating Toronto when it comes to that. Well, if it, it was, be, it would be the winner of Boston They're, Milwaukee in the next round. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, if they here's the thing: they crush Milwaukee by like thirty. Here's the thing too. I think the Sixers do have a chance to make it to the finals. Oh, God. You're I a think, Raptors fan. I know. <laughs> I think if it's not the Raptors... You love being... Oh, okay. as a, I think like, it's the Sixers. No, no, no. You Listen, love your controversy. Okay. I love controversy, but Joel Embiid is next level. He is the best center in the league right now. If he comes back to 100% the next series against... The, uh, like they'll beat whoever they play in the next series if they move on, I think. And then they're playing either Toronto or Cleveland. And obviously I want Toronto to win. Uh, I would hate Cleveland to win, but 
they have a good chance. Um, so you, okay, you're telling me that Philly's gonna like cruise by these next two series. I'm not saying it's they're gonna be cruising by anything. I think this series, <laughs> I think this series will be harder than the next series for them. I'm without, be without, I kind of agree with them. If, you. if you're saying that this series is going to be harder than whatever whoever they're going to play, yeah, in well, no, series, nobody wants to play I pro- Miami. I probably agree no. with him. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't see them getting. I don't. I don't see finals. them winning the Eastern no. Conference Finals, but I could see them. I like. It's not absolutely insane to say that they win a couple games just off of pure hype. Yeah, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, well, the Raptors could win games in the Eastern Conference Finals with that, with that group. <laughs> Transitioning from the 76ers making the finals, I will talk about a team that's going to try to stop Philadelphia or any team that they come against from reaching the finals. Um, And the team, and especially the player who has done it the past eight times, LeBron James, playing on a historic Cleveland Cavalier team. A historic team. Getting some weird looks around the table, but... This team is historic, and they have a lot to thank to the Phoenix Suns for that because the Cleveland Cavaliers are coming in ranked 29th on their defensive rating, and they are historically the um, worst defense to have the home court advantage in the playoffs. And what the hell? Which is, which is amazing. 29th in defensive rating. Yeah. They... Are, have been atrocious, and the change-up that they had halfway through the year at the, the deadline hasn't helped the defense. I think LeBron, LeBron said it perfectly in one of the interviews. It, it's felt like we've watched like six different Cleveland teams oh, at absolutely. the NBA this year. They also lead the league in like strict lineup changes. You go past, I, I don't think you can make it like you know, three, four games where they had the same starting five. When you, yeah. tra- yeah, when you trade almost your whole team at the deadline, it'll do that to you. <laughs> oh, exactly. Yeah. Um, they had to make a big move. They did. It's helped offensively. Offensively, Cleveland are sitting around uh, fifth or sixth in the league. Um, they're about third in three-point makes and percentages with that. So that's obviously helped. It helps when you have a backcourt of, like, Rodney Hood, George Hill, Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, and then way back in the depths are with C.D. Hosman and Jose Calderon, who have gotten a surprising amount of minutes coming in those last leg of the season. But again, that might just be it's the last last leg of the season, and they're just struggled with injuries. Like it looks like Cleveland are kind of over their injuries, but this is going to be an interesting series, a hard series to judge because the past four matchups have been the old Cleveland Cavaliers team. Mm. They haven't actually played since that trade deadline when the team changed up. Um, record was 3-1 and one for Indiana, actually, against that team. Um, it's going to be tough for the Pacers, though. Pacers are coming in. You have, like, it's interesting to see these two teams, one that probably didn't make expectations in the season and one of them that greatly exceeded people's expectations with the way that Indiana has performed in their post-Paul George era um, with big people stepping up like Oladipo. Uh, Indiana comes in pretty average in both offense and in defensive rating, sitting around 10 to 12th in both areas. Uh, so they're going to have a difficult time guarding the three-point line with 
Cleveland's proficiency in that area, and they're going to have a hard time guarding LeBron. You're going to see some interesting matchups. I can see if Cleveland goes small, they'll put Thaddeus Young. Um, Bogdanovich, I don't think, is going to be well enough equipped strength-wise to handle LeBron. Um, and another reason why this series might be a little interesting and excited is we might see the LeBron and Lance matchup again. Oh, yes. Which might be, which might make for, for some exciting games. A fan favorite. A fan favorite. Um, what, well, Lance, friend of the show or no? Oh, yeah. yeah. For me. <laughs> I, I love the eighth grader. That kid... Oh, not a kid anymore, but yeah, I love Lance Stevenson. You always see him doing some kind of highlight of some dorky oh, yeah. thing, throwing a T-shirt at a security guard like <laughs> last week or something. He's just a funny guy. Um, so that's that's obviously a highlight. Um, and then what I got to actually make with my prediction, um, I think a lot of people like looking at predictions and how people kind of wreck Cleveland statistically. Um, I think they are still going to show up to the playoffs. I think that when you look at the outside sources, Cleveland's looking to go deep. They know that the next round they're likely facing Toronto, and they want to send a message with this series. They don't want, like, if Toronto is looking at them and this game, this series is going to six or seven games, Toronto has a hope instilled in them of, hey, this is our year. We're the best in the East. We can beat this team who's struggling to put away Indiana. And in that case, I can't ignore the stats. I think Indiana will get a game, but I think Cleveland's going to win in five. Okay. I you mentioned you know tearing Cleveland apart by the stats. I kind of want to call LeBron a bit on that 29th defensive rating. If he didn't not try on defense like every game at some point, I think that number would be a lot higher. Hmm. You another thing you can YouTube LeBron James falling asleep on defensive plays so many especially as of late like and i think once he gets the confirmation okay like we're in the playoffs it doesn't matter to him any at this point there's too much like going on with their front office and rotations that i think he's trying to stay away with it once he knows he's in the playoffs he's like doesn't care on defense a lot of the time yeah honestly you too like yeah it's there's that raptors game uh when raptors were lost in cleveland where they kicked a Van Vliet in the corner. LeBron, that's his he man. Yeah. He literally is standing there, like allowing him to... There's just so many instances where I've seen LeBron fall asleep on defense, and I just simply think it's because he doesn't care. And he's that good that he doesn't need to be on every defensive play. Um, yeah, I do I think he's like top three in the MVP? Absolutely. Do I think he's one of the greatest players to ever play in the NBA? Absolutely. And... Yeah, I, I really want to give the Indiana Pacers credit because they deserve it. They Absolutely. have really done so well. Nobody would have thought um, this team would do it as well as they have uh, holding the five seed. Um, I know I've we've criticized Mal, Kyle, like me and you have criticized Mal Turner this season, but I think he's he's taken a few steps in the right direction. Um, Oladipo, obviously we're all in the same boat. Most improved player. My hesitation with Indiana... Sorry, there's more components, but just for, for the sake of time, I just quickly, Sabonis, great great role player. Lance, great energy guy. Uh, Bogdanovich has been shooting well. Thad Young doesn't get enough credit. Um, and uh, GR3 has been okay. 
coming, coming back from a pretty bad injury. But my concern with Indiana is they also really love the old depot pick and roll and strictly the old depot pick and roll. Um, you don't see Corey Joe do a ton of pick and roll action with the second unit, but I mean, Riley, you can attest to that in Toronto. Um, but you do see Oladipo do a lot of, I, it's almost like a rush pick and roll where they're kind of transitioning and they'll kind of set that, that, that mouth turner screen at the top and kind of do like a in-between half court offense and in-between transition offense pick and roll where it's, it's kind of a medium pace, but then they'll blast into the final half of their offense. I would, I'm really interested to see how Cleveland does that, especially, like, I don't know what is going on with Tristan Thompson right now. Like, is he <laughs> playing, or is he... Like, just as far as the... He's, is he healthy right now? Yeah. Yeah, he's okay. healthy. Just yeah. there's a little... Yeah, he's got just... some off-the-court issues, okay. yeah. but I believe he's playing okay. in yeah. the series. Yeah. So, yeah, if he's switching on to Oladipo, I have more hope than Love switching on to Oladipo, or Nance, for that matter. Um, what will be interesting to see is... Who in Indiana is going to guard Kevin Love? Um, do you, you know, do you put Miles Turn on it? Then you lose your rim protector for when LeBron is driving. Yep. And LeBron, and you know, usually when LeBron's driving, Kevin Love's in one of the corners doing a celebration or just relaxing because <laughs> he knows he's not needed. So do you take? Do you put Miles Turner uh, on someone else on the four? Or sorry, I guess. Thompson's going to... I don't know how Cleveland's even going to start this series. Are they going to go love Thompson? I, Yeah, I don't I don't know if Thompson's going to be in the starting line. I don't think so. Yeah, so is, I mean, it's going to be Nance? Yeah, or... Uh, or Jeff Green? Jeff Green. Oh, yeah, yeah sorry. I think they, I, Okay, so do you... Thad Young would match up with Jeff Green. Do you switch yeah. that and put Thad Young on love? Then that gets a little interesting with love's shooting ability, right? right? Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing that. So... Yeah, so then I guess Miles Turner's guarding Love, and then you uh-huh. have Thad Young on Jeff Green, and you say, Jeff Green, like, show us what you got. I know he dropped, like, 30 against who, someone at the end of the year here. Yep. Um, but I just think that is going to be a very interesting matchup to see because Miles Turner is their rim protector. And apart from that, you know, is Bogdanovich going to guard LeBron? Yeah. I pray that he doesn't. That's tough. That's yeah. really tough. But Yeah. Cleveland so, has a real good ability to spread the floor with that. Yeah, and Indiana is just a matter of matching up with these guys. And, you know, you if you lose Turner in the corner to love, no rim protection. And I, I really think that is, you know, something that you got to factor in. Yeah, love is the key to pretty much any of these series. Well, that was very profound. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Kevin Love in any series in these playoffs – is the key because mm-hmm. LeBron is going to be LeBron. He said it, whatever, a month ago. Give me any any team in round one or mm-hmm. game one, whatever he said. He's not going to be a problem. Yeah, uh, it's going to be if Kevin Love is hitting his threes. If he's not hitting his threes, does he start posting up? Does he completely yeah. disappear? Yeah, I was going to say he could vanish very easily too. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, it's on Kevin Love really to be that guy because yeah. he's their second option now. Mm-hmm. No Kyrie, um, he's their second option. Uh, LeBron likes to find him for three, um, and yeah, the Pacers are going to struggle to match up with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think LeBron, if this game or if this series goes to six games, does he? 
I, I know this might be crazy to say, does he get tired? He played 82 games uh, for the first time in like five seasons or something. Crazy. Um, the man is out of control. Does, does he get tired? Though? That's the question. I don't, I've never seen him tired. Yeah. I don't think. <laughs> so if he no, does. No, I don't think he does. <laughs> I don't think he yeah. does, but if he does, that, even if they win this series, that doesn't look good. Does not, bode well, does not bode well for the rest of the no. playoffs, no. Yeah, so what you think, Cleveland and six? I think Cleveland and six, the Pacers didn't get to this position for no reason. Yeah, I'm going to go Cleveland and six too. I didn't say mine. So. Yeah, so I think Cleveland and six, and that will, I think if it's less than six, it looks really good for Cleveland, but six, there's definitely hope for other teams. Yeah. Aaron, you were you were Cleveland in five. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm I'm Cleveland in five as well. I okay. think I think they get it done in five. I I really just think in the playoffs. I could see I could see myself five days from now when we've watched the first two games of this series being like, ah, what was I thinking <laughs> that Indiana even had a chance to match up? But I think I think Indiana gets one at home, but I think it's five games. Question for you, Kyle. Sure. We've talked a lot about what Indiana has to avoid. Tables turn. What does no, sorry, let me rephrase that. We've talked a lot about what Indiana has to worry about. Yeah. Tables turn. What does Cleveland have to worry about if things start to go south? Um, well, I think I think if it's going to go south, it's going to probably go south. They're not going to be making shots, and defense. the defense is just going to be as bad as it was. Um, yeah. I think, like, you, you always have to worry about, like, if Miles Ma, like Turner starts to be able to kind of get it, really get it going down low, possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm if I'm too worried about that, but that's just an idea. And then Oladipo has been an All NBA level player this year. Yeah, has had an amazing year. If if he's pouring them in and making shots, especially if you remember in the way that he made shots at the beginning of the season, where he was just pulling up from everywhere, everything's going in. Yeah, if he if he makes shots like that, this series could go longer for sure. Mm-hmm. I'd say I'd say Oladipo being their best player would be my concern if he's just red hot. Yeah. Especially with matchups, I listed off all of the guards, and the key factor with all of them is a lack of defense between George Hill, Rodney Hood, Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith. Um, Calderon. Yes, Nate. <laughs> Even Calder. worse than defense. It's, <laughs> it's funny. Two so. ex-Toronto point guards Yeah, going at going it. Against. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with what you were saying, Kyle, and you too, Aaron. I think they're, they're, the guards are in your lacking defense, but Oladipo... For sure. It's been unreal. Yeah. And it'll be very, very interesting to see how he does in the playoffs. Yeah, and we touched on it a little bit. Um, Cleveland loves the three, and they will just chuck. Mm-hmm. And if they're not going in, it's not unreasonable to think they lose this series. Okay, here you like go. Like, if they don't make up <laughs> no, three well, in the no, series, no, no, no. I'm, maybe, I'm yeah. not saying that. I, I'm saying. <laughs> but they got a high efficiency, right? They, I see what you're saying. They rely very heavily on the three and on LeBron to create those shots. So if LeBron goes off for 40, but no one else is hitting. I think like, what the heart of what you're getting at is Cleveland can like easy, easily slip out of games. Yeah, They can easily sure. be yeah. defeated. You look at it, some of the, within the game. Some of the games they've won, it's not so much that the other team is faded away. It's that... The Cavs will hit an unreasonable amount of shots. Yeah. And, like, crazy shots that J.R. Smith pulls up from half with yeah, six people on him. A Jeff Green wad layup. Yeah. Yeah. It's, so, if Indiana's defense shows up, 
and causes Cleveland to miss, I could see this going seven even. Okay. I, I still think Cleveland wins this series. Yeah, it's so interesting that I I'm sorry I I know Cleveland oh, wins this yeah. series. I, okay. I think your, but, your points well heard. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, shut up. Right <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. I, no, I, I, I think we all we understand what you're saying. Yeah, I think it's very interesting. One more thing I want to add is I didn't mention this in the Warriors Spurs series, but you look at Golden State and Cleveland. Both of them, I think, have been relying to the playoffs. It's like oh, okay, we're gonna, they'll, they'll kick it up and kick it up a notch in the playoffs. Yeah, especially Draymond Green in yeah. Golden State with his defense and LeBron James in Cleveland sure. with his defense. It's like oh, they'll kick it up, and I sure hope so for both those series sakes and for both those teams. Um, Last question before we end. Is it going to be a Warriors-Cavs final? I'm going to go with no. Um, oh, geez. I, like, if I, was a, if I was a betting man. Your gut instinct. Gut instinct is, oh, probably yes. But okay. I don't. But if you were a betting be. man? No, that would be. Oh, like, okay, okay, same thing. Okay. In my, in my he, would, he would bet on the it. same. All right. But. Kyle? Hmm. No. No, I don't think we see Cavs Warriors. I think if... I think... Yeah, no. I, I can't see Cavs Warriors. I can see... I can see pretty much anyone other than the Warriors. Hmm. Okay. We'll, yeah. leave, we'll leave it at that, and time will tell. Yeah. Let the, let the playoffs begin, and yeah. we'll catch you guys next week.